1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the com radio network.
0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area.
2: Welcome to Top Rope Nation, your source for the best in weekly wrestling discussion. I am your host, Ryan Drosty, Editor-in-Chief of TopRopePress.com, joined as always here by my co-host, the master of the universe himself, straight out of Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Kyle Ross. Kyle, how's your week going? I have a confession to make. All right, let's hear it. I did not
1: sleep with Halle Berry. Woo!
2: <laughs> so you and Rick Flair have that in common. Yeah, we are not Eskimo brothers. Oh. It's disappointing. Yeah. That was actually on your application
1: to host this. Yeah, it show was. With me. Yes, it was. I was like, yes, I have slept with Halle Berry. Yes. Yeah, so oops, I lied, I guess. Like that. Automatic hiring decision. Yeah, I'm the George O'Leary of uh wrestling journalists.
2: <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we have been waiting to record this podcast because uh, like many of you in the wrestling world, we were waiting on this off the top rope ESPN Sports Center. Segment to air this evening with Goldberg and Jonathan Coachman. And first of all, this was being, that was, a mistake. Uh, was definitely a mistake. Uh, WWE was touting this heavily as, you know, kind of like was, uh, something you had to watch tonight on ESPN. And Jonathan Coachman, of course, was pumping it up on his Twitter page. Now, I'm not sure how many people actually watch this because this was on the ESPN news version of sports center currently on the main espn channel the new york mets and san francisco giants are duking it out for the chance to lose to the chicago cubs in the division series starting Uh, at the end of this week i had to throw who do you want to win as a cubs fan i would probably rather face the mets at this point
1: you get revenge too for last year's lcs
2: right It's, it's true i i feel like uh their pitching rotation, especially with Cindergar going tonight, isn't as deep as what the Giants have right now. And uh, Murphy's gone, who haunted my dreams last year. So, yes. uh, yeah, I, I feel like we we would rather play the Mets if I had to choose. I mean, either of them are going to be a tough draw, but I'd rather play the Mets at this point. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle and I we were patiently waiting for this Goldberg segment and. One word describes what we saw: disappointing. We didn't really learn a whole lot. Now the news has been all over the internet today that Goldberg has supposedly came to an agreement with WWE to have a return match against Brock Lesnar, and the word was they had agreed on the Survivor Series uh, coming up here in uh, Toronto, I believe, next month. Yep. Um, but on the segment, Kyle Goldberg had said they were kind of asking him. You know, they were clearly hinting that he was going to be coming back and coachman was pushing him like how how long would you need to prepare to get back in the ring and goldberg said i don't know man give me till the end of the year so i don't know we were we're talking about this off air maybe they've pivoted on the timeline and they're looking at moving it back to royal rumble or wrestlemania what do you think of the segment
1: i don't know i was just mad that we waited to tape this show for it because i was (laughs) like yeah my whole thing was Uh, Well, you know, I shouldn't say that. I'm actually glad because I didn't want to have a discussion about Goldberg-Lesnar headlining its Survivor Series only for it not to happen. So I guess in that regard, I'm glad we waited. Um, But it seemed kind of obvious early on in the segment he wasn't going to make any kind of announcement. And I also wonder if there was a pivot in this. Um, What caused things, I think, to get out of control was Jim Ross tweeting, Oh, my sources say it's a done deal. Goldberg and Lesnar at Survivor Series. That's what really amped things up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wrote a couple days ago on the Sun on, on Top Row Press that. You know, my eyebrows raised when they announced Goldberg was going to be on the Sports Center spot, because usually it's just a fluff piece. You don't learn anything. I Truth be told, I don't watch many of these things, but I was like, eh, Goldberg, you know, that was kind of. A while ago that he did all the promotional work around SummerSlam like this kind of seems like an odd thing an odd timing to just kind of have him back on um, so there were signs that something could be but I think the rumor mill got out of control here and a lot of people uh, probably have some egg on their face right now the match I guess could still happen what, what got me to thinking that it was going to happen at Survivor Series was I don't know if you've noticed this what has it been like three weeks in a row? Shane McMahon has not been on SmackDown.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He hasn't been there.
1: Okay. Well, you know, they were pushing Shane Brock over the long term a little bit. I mean, they weren't hard because I mean, obviously they had to wait a little bit of time, but there was a lot of talk that match would take place at Survivor Series initially. And when, you know, people were like, oh, it's going to be Goldberg and Lesnar at Survivor Series. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Why Shane hasn't been on TV for three weeks because there's nothing for him to do, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of, they kind of jumped his storyline. Uh, but, um, no, I guess here we are. I I don't know. I guess we didn't learn anything about someone. I guess it could still happen at survivor series, but it doesn't seem like it's likely to anymore. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, if they weren't going to announce it there, I don't know when they'd announce it, I think that segment actually kind of made me not, made me want to see the match less.
2: Yeah. I mean, truth be told, Survivor Series was always kind of an odd place to do this match. Not just because it's not, I guess, what would you rank Survivor Series? It's like the fourth biggest. Yeah. It's easy for not even close. I mean, WWE always talks about the big four, but I mean, Survivor Series for years, hasn't really even been a a very big pay-per-view. I mean, it's more like a big three these days. And, uh,
1: the show's taking place in Toronto. Oh, I love what you're going to say here. <laughs> and this is my point. You know where it's gonna going to make this point. I thought about this earlier today, yes.
2: Whose career did Goldberg end with the uh, poorly executed mule kick? Brett the Hitman Hart, national hero in Canada. Goldberg probably would not get a very good reaction yes, in Toronto.
1: You're right. Toronto's one of his, he was never that over in Canada because WCW never penetrated there. No. And then the
2: one time they did, they did that angle yes. on nitro with Bret Hart with the steel plate and yes. uh, Boulder, Goldberg got booed out of the building and WCW piped in Chance for him because they were so paranoid that he was getting booed going up against Bret Hart. So
0: you can go ahead and respect that. Hey, Bischoff and the WCW. I quit.
2: I just don't think Survivor Series is the right time to do it. Uh because of the pay-per-view itself, they need to do it at a bigger show. And because of yeah, because of the location. I I Toronto's kind of known for having these crowds where they go against what WWE is pushing, and certainly people are gonna remember what happened with Bret Hart. So I, I think just judging by the segment, it seems like they're gonna push it back a little bit, but who knows? They're they're clearly building up this goldberg uh, lesnar match is based on what goldberg said during the segment he talked about oh i don't owe i don't owe lesnar anything and they, they mentioned he had beat lesnar at wrestlemania 20 they showed clips of it if kyle if you were booking this match would you do it at the rumble or would you do it at wrestlemania or do you think it doesn't really make a difference
1: I just love that you brought up the Toronto thing and how Goldberg wasn't over there. I thought I was so slick when I thought of that this afternoon. <laughs> um, Jamie Horowitz would hate this show, by the way. We agree too often. Um, but the, yes, the guy who gave us Skip Bayless, for those who don't <laughs> know who Jamie Horowitz is. Um, they do need a hook for the Rumble, now that they're doing the Alamo Dome. No. True. They, so I could see them... Okay, thinking maybe... Uh, that the Survivor Series was an option. I, 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 you know, I don't think Jim Ross just made that up. Uh, but clearly, Jim Ross is no. By the way, uh, does not care if he is ever welcomed back into WWE when he broke that. That was my reaction to JR tweeting that. I'm like, wow, he doesn't care mm-hmm. uh, about jumping their story. But, but yeah, they need a they need a hook for the Rumble, and uh, it's a hook that they don't have. I mean, the Rumble itself uh, is pretty big, but. You know, it's so close to Mania season. Meltzer brought this point up, actually. I mean, Meltzer's going to take it on the chin today because <laughs> uh Goldberg didn't announce anything. But I'll give him a little bit of credit for something he said earlier in the week that, you know, expecting all these out-of-towners to come in for the Rumbles a lot when it's so close to Mania. So, yeah, I, I get that, you know, is the big show. You, you know, Goldberg-Lesnar wrestled at Mania. uh, You know, what was it? It'll be 13 years prior, but you know, they do need a big match for that rumble and maybe that's it.
2: Yeah. Well, Hey, let's talk about that match. They had at WrestleMania 20. Uh, Abby Arthur had a column up today on top rope press looking at the the prior match and whether this was a wise decision to put so much emphasis on a possible rematch. Uh, I don't know, Kyle, we didn't know each other at the time. I don't know what your thoughts were on the match at WrestleMania 20 and even what your thoughts were, on Goldberg in the nineties. Um, okay. personally, I was never much of a Goldberg fan, uh, growing up in the nineties. I, uh, I gotta say, I always felt like Goldberg was kind of a Steve Austin ripoff. I thought the whole gimmick was very boring. You knew he was going to win every single match when he had that winning streak going on. And I just, a lot of my friends were crazy about Goldberg. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, late junior high, early in high school at the time and uh they they loved him, but I was always kind of the guy who was like, "This is lame. who cares? he's coming out? he's gonna win in a minute. Give me something more exciting I, were, were you kind of along those lines, or were you a Goldberg guy?
1: No, I didn't particularly care for the character, but you know, looking back at it with some retrospect w c w blew it badly, like the idea like I may not have liked it, you may not have liked it, but I had friends who liked it, and there were a lot of people who liked it and Um, he was a genuine star, make no mistake about it. I mean, the idea, you know, Kevin Nash, who is an idiot, first of all. Okay. Um, you know, always try to say, oh, well, I was there when they were chatting. Goldberg sucks. That's like his defense for putting himself (laughs) over at Starrcade 98. Which he booked,
2: by the way. He booked himself to be Goldberg.
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe there was, but they just, once they did the thing where Goldberg beat Hogan and by the thing, I mean, put him over for the world title they just started, the sabotage began and he wasn't booked well. It was actually the first sign of what we see today where the crowd kind of rebels against bad booking. And Lord knows there was no worse booking than WCW second half of 98 until its ultimate demise in the early uh, part of '01. one. So no, I was not a huge fan, but he absolutely was a genuine star. When you look at the um attendance they were still doing late in 98 people forget about this cuz WCW did get very bad late 98 quality wise but they were still doing big business man and it was because of Bill Goldberg so the idea that he wasn't that big of a star is a lie he was a huge star um it was a very short period of time because again he was not booked well once he became world champion they should have been able to get far more mileage out of it he should have been a guy that kept that company afloat um you know, I'm reading a lot of stuff now from 99 and, you know, it, 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 hit a point in the middle of 99 where, okay, his star had faded just because he'd been booked so poorly, but it, it just shouldn't have come to that ever. Um, he, he was a big star and he was one of the guys that when, uh, WWF bought WCW, the people wanted to see in WWF, it was him and Ric Flair were the two names that everyone wanted to see come in. And then his return was mishandled, obviously, um, Personally, I don't care that he only would do squashes. Uh, yeah, it kind of limits what he can do as a main eventer because I mean, obviously you're not gonna have a bunch of main eventers lay down for him. But I, I think that was a convenient excuse for people not to work with him. Mm-hmm. He could have done extended squashes. I mean, look, I mean Hulk Hogan, you know, he look at his matches in the '80s and how that got over. He gave one little heat segment every match. Hulked up one. Nobody complains about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of quality, they might. I complain about it in terms of quality. But in terms of success, it was a very successful formula. And Goldberg stumbled upon a very successful formula. And for some reason, they just kind of deviated from the script and uh, flushed him down the toilet.
2: Yeah, I would never disagree that Goldberg wasn't a huge star. I agree he was a huge star. I just personally was always bored with the character. And did I never really got... Why people were so into him. I, I get that he was like full of charisma and the whole image with uh his entrance and everything, which speaking of his entrance, all right, this is something I never got about Goldberg, and I thought about it when I watched the uh clips here on ESPN. So for the guy that is supposed to be like the baddest dude in WCW, why did he need eight security guards walking him to the ring? I, I still don't get it. It, does, it doesn't make any sense to me maybe maybe i'm missing something here why I mean, why does the guy have security at him?
1: i mean the entrance was cool i mean i, I it's <laughs> easy for me to see why people were into it uh you know that's i don't want to say it's a skill i have but like i i tend to you know not agree with the majority of people on most things so i've kind of learned through the years to s- try to understand why most people like something that i don't and uh you know, it, the, it was just a presentation and he won all the time. People like that. I mean, again, it, you know, Triple H asks me, you know, how's your territory doing? But, you know, Goldberg is exhibit A, B, and C why 50 50 booking is stupid.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah I, 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 you mentioned Hogan and uh, how nobody had any complaints in the 80s about him. I think the big difference though, like for me, is Hogan was unique. Um, at least for that time period. I mean, he obviously was inspired by like superstar Billy Graham, but for, for the time period, he was unique. And, uh, I never felt like Goldberg was unique. I felt like they came out with Goldberg right after Austin got popular. You have a guy coming out in black trunks and black boots, and, uh, he's got the bald head and the goatee. I just, I always felt like it was such a WWF ripoff personally. And I, maybe that's why I never got into him, but like you said, yeah, he was a huge star and, he helped draw that huge Nitro card um, in July, I think, of 98, where he beat Hogan for the title in the Georgia Dome. So it was a huge moment in in wrestling's history. I'm just, from a personal perspective, I, I was never really that into it. And then when you got to WrestleMania 20, where him and Lesnar went at it, it was such a colossal failure because both guys were on their way out of the company. Yes, Nobody cared. The entire Madison Square Garden was booing both of them. You had... People in the crowd flipping him off. Uh, Steve Austin, ironically, was a special ref, and he's off in the corner kind of looking around, smirking, like, what a joke this is. Goldberg won, probably because WWE was more insulted that Lesnar, their golden goose at the time, was leaving to go try to play football and then get into the MMA, but... Yeah, the, the match itself was a disaster. And uh, this one probably honestly would be better because both oh, guys yeah. are going to stick around and uh, they don't have all these other interests they're looking at. But uh, I'm just – I'm not sure. I guess it will probably do some nostalgic interest. But uh, it's like Abby was making a point to point out in her Top Rope Press column. Is this something they should really be building a major show around when they have all these talented guys? Like we Kyle, we've talked about on the show – At length. This is the most talented roster WWE has ever had. They should put this kind of time and energy into one of these new guys rather than retreads from two decades ago. That's that's my personal opinion.
1: Okay, there's a lot to respond there. One.
2: (laughs) Sorry, I had word vomit. No, no, no,
1: it's great. If you go back to 97, I'm absolutely with you. When I first saw Bill Goldberg and you're right, the black tights, the goatee, the bald head, I was like, oh, my God, they're capitalizing on Austin. But the characters really weren't that similar. Okay, they were both badass characters, but they weren't totally identical, I didn't think, when you go back and look at it. At the time, I kind of am totally with you, what you just said. But if you go back and look, they weren't really the same characters. No, just but visually Aust- kind of. Yeah, maybe mainly because Austin had more depth to him, which is why he was ultimately more successful. Two the WrestleMania 20 match. I almost think that match doesn't count anymore. I think if there's one match, you just strike from the WWE record. It's that match. I think the fact that it was such a colossal failure at the time is completely irrelevant to it happening again. Actually, you talked about the circumstances. Both guys were on their way out. That was one of the first times you saw a crowd just get downright hostile to something that they weren't supposed to get downright hostile towards. Mm -hmm. I think I like, I had never, I remember watching that live and being like, I've never seen a crowd reaction like this in my life where a crowd is literally just crapping on everything. Both guys, they don't care who's good that they had no care about the storyline. They knew both were leaving and they're like F you both.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I could see why the fans did that. But at the same time, I I just, I think it's kind of irrelevant now, uh, 12, 13 years later, I think if they have it again, you know, they could, they could even play off and be like, you know, this time it's, you know, for real or so. I don't know. But, um, I think there is an interest. I actually kind of disagreed with Abby in that column respectfully. I I think there is legitimate interest. I see where I absolutely agree with She's coming from that pinning your hopes on two special attractions. When you've got a roster full of guys who are out there 300 dates a year isn't the greatest business model but if you can pair a big match with your full-timers with that then you're in good shape that's a big card
2: well is this a wasted opportunity though to put someone else with a returning goldberg i mean like this this is what i'm thinking is there someone else you could put in the ring with them other than a brock lesnar that could benefit more from it
1: I mean, is Goldberg going to come back to lose to an up-and-comer? I just don't think that's realistic.
2: Well, that's a whole other point. I mean, who's going to win the match? Because you don't think Brock probably wants to lose the match either.
1: So would this be it a is. non-finish? You're right. You're right. And, I, uh, you know, the Golden Goose, we've talked about this in the past, the Golden Goose that is the Lesnar loss should not go to Bill Goldberg mm-hmm. in a one-off. It absolutely should not. I, I, I would assume Lesnar would go over because he's under contract. I would assume if Goldberg comes back, it's just for one match. Yeah. So, um, and if he wants to work with Brock, then I guess so be it. Um, I wrote this earlier in the week. I would rather Lesnar work with Goldberg and special attractions than work with full timers that he's just going to squash and do no favors for. Brock Lesnar, I don't care what anyone says. And I I defy anyone to show me numbers that stayed otherwise has been more harm than good to WWE in 2016. He did no favors for Dean Ambrose did no favors for Randy Orton. And I don't think that WWE as a company benefited all that much, if at all from Brock Lesnar appearing those two times and winning.
2: Yeah. The Ambrose match in particular was the biggest head scratcher that everything about that match you would think would paint a victory for Dean Ambrose being a weapons match. He's got, he's got every excuse to where like, if Lesnar wants to look strong coming out, well, Hey, it was a gimmick match. You know, Ambrose can use weapons to win. I I still don't understand why Lesnar won that match, especially if they wanted Ambrose to be
1: a top guy moving forward. I just don't understand why the match was made. No. In retrospect to me, it's what, and they do this a lot where they point themselves into a corner where they're kind of almost in a no win situation. Mm-hmm. I just think it was a foolish match to make yeah and you know I mean because Lesnar at that time and still to a lesser extent I was kind of portrayed as a baby face right I mean he yeah. never did anything heelish in the Ambrose feud mm-hmm. he had been a baby face before I guess right I mean I don't really I don't really know
2: I don't think he's ever really clearly been either way. I think he's just been like
1: a guy thrown out there. That... Well, he was clearly a babyface post Mania after Seth Rollins, and then he came back for vengeance against Seth Rollins' babies there, and then that Undertaker feud happened, and that's when the character just sort of became like a tweener. I didn't know what to think, really. Mm-hmm. You know that that was when he wrestled the Undertaker the second time, going into SummerSlam, and then Hell in a Cell. Like that's kind of where the face heel dynamic just became blurred. Yeah, so I mean, but the idea of him squashing guys who are supposed to be baby faces, which is what he's done the last two times, is terrible. I, there's just no other way to say it. It's terrible. yeah. who do, who do you think so- would uh, who do you think would
2: be cheered in the match with uh, Lesnar and Goldberg?
1: Goldberg? I yeah, think I agree. Because, just because he's the returning guy. People love seeing a guy that they haven't seen before. Yeah. And I, I think the match would get over live. Yeah, I really do. I, I don't, I mean, it would not, it would not be a great match, but I just don't think that matters in this instance. There's, it's kind of funny because so many guys that the WWE has, almost everyone, the VAT, I mean, except like throw out the Braun Strowmans and the Titus O'Neills of the world. The, most anyone on the WWE roster can have a good match. But, you know, look at the Clash of Champions. Most of the matches were quote-unquote good, but I didn't like that show. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to kind of just have something a little different. And I'm all in favor of Lesnar vs. Goldberg happening uh, with the caveat that you better pair it with something that's big from your full-time roster.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they hold it off for Rumble or if uh, they actually do kind of go for survivor series in toronto but like we said i think toronto would be a mistake but we'll we'll see um or maybe we will hold it off for wrestlemania uh well,
1: would you agree with me that goldberg lesnar is better than shane versus lesnar
2: oh yeah no doubt okay yeah definitely um the other big story this week we wanted to get to there's so many topics kyle we want to get to yes. on the show so we're, i'm going to switch gears here we're going to move to uh TNA and I know you have a lot to say about TNA but the big story the big story looking at our page views on toprowpress.com this week has been people wondering what the heck is going on with TNA is this company being sold is WWE interested uh earlier today there was a report uh from Justin Labar out of uh I think he's from Pittsburgh he writes for WrestleZone And uh, he had claimed that it was a done deal, that WWE was buying TNA's tape library and that Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, who's kind of a partial owner in TNA right now, uh, was going to buy the company then and uh, rebrand it and kind of start anew, but, you know, take on all the contracts of the guys that are already there. Uh, But now I'm not sure. It turns out it looks like that's not a, a done deal yet. Uh, what were what was your reactions when you're reading this news, Kyle? Do you, do you think, even though there was denials from Dixie Carter, who we're going to talk about here in a second, do you think this is going to go through? Uh, have you heard anything, or and what's your I, opinions on the state of total nonstop action wrestling?
1: I have not heard anything new. My first reaction when I read this story was, why would WWE what, what interest would WWE have in that? you know, in buying a tape library of a company, that's going to rebrand itself and continue. I came to the conclusion that they probably just want it so they can do, I mean, DVDs, or I guess now they, that's not that big of a thing. Oh, by the way, we should go back to this. I always say this when people say, Oh, you know, the new generation doesn't care about Bill Goldberg. When they released his DVD, it was like the best selling DVD they've had in years. Mm -hmm. So people need to keep that in mind. Uh, but I assume, like, with guys like AJ and, you know, maybe Bobby Roode becomes a star. They they want some TNA footage. Maybe they put some collections together for him and Samoa stuff. Samoa
2: Joe, for sure. Yeah, Samoa Joe. Angle with if he comes guy. back.
1: Yeah, so I maybe they'd just be interested in putting just a select number of matches. I don't think that – and maybe they could. I mean, I guess there's always, you know, does no harm in putting more content up on a service like that. But I, I, I'm thinking they're just kind of looking for some select stuff to promote. Some of their existing guys.
0: Yeah,
2: I think uh, WWE I think WWE's always is always out for uh, for, uh expanding the yeah. tape library. Yeah, I mean, it's, sure. it's something they got a network, they got to fill it up with content, and they're always going to try to own everything that's out there for wrestling footage. So sure, that makes sense from from uh, their perspective. From Billy Corgan's perspective, if he does get a chance to take this thing over, which God help him. I'm not sure why he would want to put that much of his own money into this thing, but hey, for us as wrestling fans, it's a good thing to have more product out there, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, this company desperately needs a complete makeover. They need a new name. The TNA name—we've said this before on the show—the TNA name is dead. It needs to be buried. They need to rebrand. They need a whole new outlook on the show. Uh, personally, I think they need to get rid of the six-sided ring. That's my opinion. I—I I never cared for that at all. Uh that was one of the uh, it's probably the only good thing that came out of the Hulk Hogan TNA era was when they went to the back to the standard wrestling ring. Uh I guess it allows TNA to live another day with Billy Corgan, who probably has even as a musician and longtime wrestling fan, I'm sure he has a much better mind for the business than Dixie Carter, who has shown herself to be uh not the brightest wrestling owner in the world today. Kyle, I know you got a lot to say about Dixie Carter.
1: So, I mean, yeah, I was going say, she's like the worst promoter to the side of Herb <laughs> Abrams, I mean, if I bring that name out of mothballs. I mean, she, tone deaf is a word that I use a lot in life these days. And uh, she certainly appears tone deaf. You know, when all the rumors were going around last weekend, she just tweets out randomly, oh, you people won't want to miss next week's tapings. And it's like, what? Like, Corgan's being very forthcoming about the situation. It's like, next week's tapings? What about this show on Sunday? Is it even going to go on? And then there was the report. And again, you may have to take this with a grain of salt. It was somebody leaked it to PW Insider. We published PW Insider's part of the report on our own site. And so you can just check it out there. It's easier. No ads. Um, oh my God, tons <laughs> but, of you know, ads on PW Insider. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, Dixie Carter was reportedly uh, stunned at the level of concern from the talent. And that's just like mind-blowing to me. I know Abby wrote something on her Twitter account. Um, she must have you know, posted the story right after I had submitted it or something like that. And it was just like, what? Like, how could you be surprised that these people, you know, you have people whose jobs um, are hanging in the balance. They don't know what's going on and they're voicing questions and you're shocked by that. That's just really embarrassing. You mean the
2: people that she doesn't pay on time would be
1: concerned? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for her and i just think that again she has just run this promotion into the ground she just needs to be completely eliminated from the picture
2: yeah that that and, was supposedly the uh the big uh hold up is corgan trying to buy the company and dixie carter not wanting to give up any control whatsoever yes
1: yes i, I just think that in looking at tna on a macro level here ryan You know, you have a lot of these people, these TNA defenders that always come out of the woodwork whenever you rip on TNA. They'll always put, oh, TNA is better than it was the last couple of years. You got to give it a chance. And the problem is there's so much wrestling out there now and it's so much more accessible than it used to be that TNA just being good isn't good enough. It's got to be great or even fantastic considering the depths it had sunk to in previous years. And it's not at that level. No, you watch Abound bound for glory. You read the taping results and you're like, this doesn't sound that great. This isn't that great. It's not blow away. I mean, if you compare it to any other promotion around the world, I mean, what's it better than, I mean, okay, maybe you get a good match. What promotion right now in the world does not give you at least one good match on a card. There's none. Yeah. This yeah. isn't like 1985 WWF house shows. <laughs> you know forbid, where you, you had like freaking ivan Putsky and uncle elmer and stuff like that
2: <laughs> dude did, like, i had a ivan Putsky poster on my wall when i was growing up what are you talking about did you really no i made that up
1: okay i was gonna say wow well, <laughs> i was like i was gonna say obviously your your parents obviously did not ever did not preach the importance of uh avoiding steroids then or something like that okay um yeah, I just think that uh, I, I lost my train of thought with the <laughs> horror of someone having an Ivan Putski poster on their wall. But yeah, the it, it, like TNA, okay, it, a match was good on TNA. Big deal. Like there's good matches on Raw. There's good matches on SmackDown. And those are easier to find. Yeah. And then Ring of Honor. There's better wrestling on Ring of Honor. You go to New Japan. There's better wrestling in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, and the storylines, like, okay, people talk, uh, all right, I'm going to talk about this. I want you to, I know I just gave you a lot to, I assume you just kind of agree with everything I just said. If you don't, I'll give you a chance to respond, but I want to bring something up here because this is interesting. This is good. This is why people should listen to the podcast for stories like this. I had a chance somewhat recently, sit down and talk to somebody, real sharp guy when it comes to pro wrestling, real sharp guy, much sharper than me. I mean, whatever. I, I write for Smack, I do a SmackDown recap, put some news updates, whatever. I'm whatever, but this guy's real sharp. This is somebody whose opinion absolutely matters. Okay, and I asked him about the Matt Hardy stuff. I asked him about Lucha Underground, and it was a bit of a loaded question. I was, in fact, loaded when I asked it. We'd had some cocktails, but I said to him, "You know, is it? What do you think about the stuff? Is that stuff?" what Hardy's doing in the store, some of the storyline, just in Lucha Underground, is that really like the future of that business? Or is it something that will just make this more and more of a niche industry? And he pretty much agreed about the niche part of it because people who really love wrestling and really love what Hardy's doing, and it's creative. I'll give them that. And they really love what they got out of Lucha Underground. I think they don't take themselves out of the wrestling bubble and realize, man, you put that in front of somebody who maybe used to watch wrestling, they're going to be like, and hasn't in a couple of years, they're going to be like, "What the hell is this?" So, like, you know, that's like the one thing everyone cites with about TNA, oh, this what Matt Hardy's doing. I, I got to tell you, it's it's not something that's going to expand the audience. It's just not. Sorry, TNA fans. I'll, I'm done talking now.
2: <laughs> well Lucha Underground shows that because what Matt Hardy's been doing with the kind of like cinematic wrestling uh perspective with the final deletion and all that. That's that's what Lucha Underground's been doing for a couple of years. And I actually am a pretty big fan of what Lucha Underground does. However I agree with, I agree you. with you. Okay. I think uh the reach of that style of wrestling is pretty low, and Lucha Underground's ratings show that. Actually, their their ratings have been abysmal for this season. Yes, um, almost every week they're going down. I think didn't I see they were under a hundred thousand viewers for recent episodes?
1: It was getting I saw, really low. I saw someone tweet that they were not even among the most one hundred and fifty most watched shows on cable that night.
2: I think they were down to like 80,000 viewers one night. Some that's of bad. that is is the network's not available for a lot of people. Like, I have DirecTV. Mm-hmm. I think I have the th- third highest tier on DirecTV, and I don't get El Rey. So if I wanted to see it, I would have to pirate it. I'm just going to be honest. That's that's what I would have to do. And I've done it a few times. I, I've I've watched uh, Lucha Underground here and there. I like the product. I do think it's creative. It's something different. Um, TNA, like you were saying a second ago, though... Like, there's so many companies you would watch over TNA, whether it's New Japan, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, Evolve, PWG, WWE, of course, NXT. Like, they're so far down the totem pole. They're trying something different with the Matt Hardy stuff, but it, it's, it's like what Lucha Underground does all the time. I think Hardy's a really creative guy and probably does deserve another chance in WWE to see what he can do. Sure. Um uh, but yeah, what TNA is doing, I do think I agree with you. I think it does just uh, kind of appeal to a niche audience. And I'm not sure it's something that could really get over to the masses outside the hardcores on, on Twitter and social
1: media. Yeah, and that's all that's really watching TNA. Yeah. So, I mean, the only people who are really applauding what Matt Hardy's doing are real wrestling diehards. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it's, people are going to cite, okay, the ratings are up. But I think they're just up among that the wrestling diehards. And even though the TNA is not drawing from a pool of people that aren't watching WWE, no,
2: no, that's the difference between like what TNA is doing and what WCW. You know, speaking of Goldberg, what they did back in the day is you had people that were hardcore uh, WCW or Jim Crockett or NWA fans through the years, and then you had like hardcore WWF wwe fans and when wcw closed up shop a lot millions of those people left and they never came back they're not watching wrestling right now uh if tna closed wwe or the the pro wrestling audience it's not decreasing like when wcw closed tna has never been a true alternative they're not honestly they're not even the uh second biggest wrestling promotion in the united states right now they're they're hardly ever mentioned uh, in discussions with hardcore fans they're At least three or four levels down the list from WWE, I would think. I think Ring of Honor has more prestige than them. Evolve probably at this point. Lucha Underground even. Uh, PWG has such a hardcore following, kind of like along the lines of what uh, ECW had back in the 90s. TNA just doesn't, they need a, yeah, they need a reboot. So, you know, maybe they can get that from Billy Corgan.
1: I don't know. I mean, whose favorite promotion is TNA? (laughs) you'll see them
2: here and there in our comments section they they migrate over from tna mecca but by the way tna mecca the message board they're gonna have to register a new domain if billy corgan takes over they're gonna they're
1: yeah. have to spend some money here's another thing too about this tna i mean you know you just you try to give them a chance but they just do things that just leave you scratching your head cody rhodes is only brought in for a week And that's supposed to do something. Cody Rhodes is going to give you a shot in the arm. I mean, by the time he's gone, people are going to like six months or later, people are like, Oh, Cody Rhodes wrestled one week in TNA. Yeah. And I'll be very honest with you. Cody Rhodes is a very average professional wrestler. The WWE does a lot of silly things that make me angry sometimes. But, You know, I know people there were a lot of people wanted to rush to Cody's defense and thought he was, you know, standing up to the man. You know, there's a lot of things WWE the last five or so years could have done to be better. Pushing Cody Rhodes isn't one of them, man. I'm sorry. I mean, if this guy, I mean, this guy's more Mike Sanders than his father above average. And that's (laughs) Cody Rhodes ceiling. I don't mean to be harsh, but I mean, have you, is there ever been a time where you're like, you know what? Cody Rhodes should be at the top of the card in WWE. No, no. I mean, maybe you did think that, and I just missed something. I for for me, no way.
2: I did not think that. No.
1: Okay, so like, I just think <laughs> that like, here's a company who's maybe going to go out of business, and they're spending money on Cody Rhodes. Or pardon me, Cody.
2: Well, he's a WWE cast off. That's what they've always done. Yes, I mean, TNA. That's that's their weakness. They they see like they want WWE sloppy seconds.
3: <laughs>
2: that's yeah. their gimmick.
1: Yeah. Oh, and so, all right, I'm going to give people a chance. You have no choice, unfortunately, Ryan. You've got to stay on the line, or I guess you don't have to. You can just go do something at home, and I'll just talk to myself. <laughs> but um, I'm going to, I want to mention something about the spoilers that was just taped.
2: Plug your ears, listeners, yeah, so if you don't, you don't want, want to spoilers, hear spoilers.
1: spoilers. Fast forward for like two minutes or something, or a minute. So did you read what they did with Cody Rhodes at the tapings?
2: He did the, uh, was it the Mike Bennett match? He
1: did. He did do that, and he beat him. Mm-hmm. But, so they had him challenge for the title. Wait a second. Uh,
2: he beat Mike Bennett, who is in TNA for the long haul. Yes. That makes sense.
1: Yes. Well, <laughs> it, it gets worse. So Eddie Edwards actually beat Lashley, which really surprised me. And then they had Cody challenge Eddie Edwards, and they did a double pin. Oh, my God. So they didn't even their brand new surprise champion who everyone's like, are you kidding? Eddie Edwards is the new champion. Because mm-hmm. one of the few things that I thought was actually decent about TNA was having Lashley as their champion. That's a guy I wrote this on top Row press too. You talk about possible opponents for Lesnar. I think Bobby Lashley would be a great potential Brock Lesnar opponent, but Edwards beats him. And then they just he does a his first match. He does a double pin with Cody Rhodes, WWE cast off, who's one foot out the door. It's just not smart. Well, this yeah.
2: This just shows the mindset. So they have him beat Mike Bennett, one of their latest and greatest free agent signings. And, and then their champion can't even beat him. All right.
0: Yeah.
1: That just tells you everything you need to know about TNA. Yeah. All right. a text from my buddy. I asked Meltzer, "Any chance Sasha and Charlotte will blade during Hell in a Cell?" He replied to me, "None."
2: <laughs> is the Hell in the- all right? This is another discussion we want to get into. Is the Hell in a Cell going to be just like completely overdone, lose all of its impact at the upcoming Hell in a Cell pay per view? Because we're looking at three Hell in a Cell matches, I believe, at this
1: point. Well, there's only one confirmed. Right. there's been two speculated on. So the one that's confirmed, we know this, they said it on Raw, is Rusev and Reigns for the U.S. title. Mm -hmm. I think that could be a good match. I don't know if I care that much, uh, which is kind of the rule of thumb with Raw these days, or at least their Raw pay-per-views. Meltzer on, what was it, Monday or Tuesday morning, Like just blurted out right away, Sasha Banks and Charlotte, they're doing hell in a cell. Of course, keep in mind that, and he wasn't the only one who ran with the Lesnar-Goldberg there today. Let's point out, every major news site ran with that. It wasn't just Meltzer. But he was the one who brought that up, that they're going to do Sasha and Charlotte at Hell in a Cell, which I actually think is kind of cool, you know, seeing the the women have never done a Hell in a Cell match. So I guess that's unique. But the issue then is, you've got this very lackluster world title program on Raw, mm-hmm. with Rollins and Owens. Yeah. Is that going to be Hell in a Cell? And, you know, I think it's going to be with Jericho. It looks like they're building to a triple threat. This was, you know, in my bombardment. Um, I I was very busy yesterday, I felt, updating the site. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the original plan for Hell in a Cell was Rollins, or not Rollins, pardon me, it was Balor, Owens, Jericho, and a triple threat. And it seems like Rollins is kind of taking Balor's spot in the pecking order now that Balor's hurt. So, you're right, three Hell in a Cell matches is insane they used to do two and that was nuts um so to answer your question about are they going to kill hell in a cell eh, quite frankly they may have already killed it and uh this might could be this i don't know i i would i just having three hell in a cell matches on the same show is insane
2: i think the pay per view is too much i think the pay-per-view theme itself killed hell in a cell because one of the cool things about hell in a cell was they would bring it out out of nowhere get you pumped up for the match you haven't seen a hell in a cell match in a year or two but now like every year they're only gonna do it for the most part at the pay-per-view you know you're getting it at the pay-per-view and it just it takes away from the spectacle i think
1: yeah it's like oh it's october we have to have a hell in a cell match before mm-hmm. they would you know it it was kind of the evolution of the cage match right i mean yeah you know, for the 80s the cage match was the kind of the ultimate blow-off match they did back then uh cool. And Hell in a Cell kind of took it to a new level, kind of, went, you know, and, and, and again, it, it, kind of re, it, it kind of killed the standard steel cage match, but it was something that was done, you're right, once a year, but it wasn't always done at the same time. It was done at the appropriate time, but when you look at the first, you know, six or seven or eight, uh, really until they went to the monthly pay-per-view, you're right, it was, it was the pay-per-view concept when they started going with the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and I can't remember what year that was. Was that 09 or... Yeah, somewhere was, right was, around a, there. Yeah, it was right around then. That's what really killed it. I think every Hell in a Cell they did before that was fine and worked. But uh, not all of them, but most of them, I should say. Th- that is what killed it. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you talked earlier about how we mostly agree on the show. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. And uh, I'm putting your job on the line. So you better well, agree no. with me right now. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, what would you say, Kyle? Is, speaking of Hell in a Cell, what is the greatest Hell in a Cell match that has taken oh. place?
1: So, you know what's funny? I was actually going to do, I, you know, I, I missed the Clash. I still want to go back and do that because I want to write about old NWA. Um, as far as top, you know, do my top fives that I was doing for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the top five matches of different pay-per-views. So I have to go back into the Clash at the a Mercy. I was planning on turn, turning this into a column, my top five Hell in a Cell matches. But you put me on the spot. There is an absolute definitive answer to this question. It is The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels the first one. Thank God. We have a winner. Oh. Oh, there <laughs> we go. I so the, I always try I try not to view things in terms of black and white especially in pro wrestling. I think that's kind of silly to get in like ridiculous arguments where you can't see the other side. But I make an exception for that rule when it comes to Undertaker Sean versus Undertaker Foley.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. The, the, like the under- Foley match is memorable because of two, two high spots. But the match yes. itself sucked. It's memorable yeah. as hell because of the two, no pun intended, memorable as hell because of the two high spots. But like the, the Michaels-Undertaker, the first Hell in a Cell match in October 97, that was like unbelievable. One of the you best talk- matches WWF had had in years at that time.
1: Well, actually, it wasn't even the best match that year, if you remember, because the Hard Austin was that same year. Yeah, one you know of one the best matches. Though. You, you know, what's funny is those are, I think, the two best matches in WWE history. You, you talked about what a hard grader I was um, in recent things when, you, when I introduced the star ratings to the SmackDown reviews. Mm-hmm. There are only eight. This is according to me, so, I'm from, so you can tell what a prick I am. I've only given <laughs> eight matches in WWE history, five stars. Undertaker, Shawn Hell in a Cell is one of those eight. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It is the perfect wrestling match, and there are people who will be like, oh, the Kane thing at the end. If you complain about that ending, I'm not sure if you really understand pro wrestling. Really? <laughs> I don't mean to be a dick there, but like the whole storyline of that match was Sean is a dead man unless if the Undertaker's presumed dead half-brother happens to show up, and what do you know? Yeah, it was...
2: Yeah, you're preaching the choir here because 1997 okay. WWF is my favorite year in WWF history.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people's, and for good reason. I, the, the top, the main event picture that year, we mentioned this on a different show, was just so phenomenal. And yeah, that was just the fact that that was the same day Brian Pillman passed away, and those two were able to do that match is insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. God, you know, we love this classic wrestling discussion. We we talked about it last week. We, we have to do a nostalgia show. And, Maybe we'll uh, do
1: it for Survivor Series or something like that because it's funny when you mentioned that. I was going to jump in, you know, the Survivor Series, you know, is it the big four? Like, to me, it almost kind of dropped out of, like, it became easily number four in, like, 1989. Yeah it's like never recovered since like i could like <laughs> talk about that like how in 1989 like it was so obvious that that was like the fourth of the four yeah. um you know who knows we could talk about history of Survivor Series. we could talk about history of anything but uh yeah i am a huge proponent that under the first hell in a cell is the best hell in a cell good good
2: i i we would have had a like ferocious argument on this show okay. if you would not have said that
1: is match. is undertaker fully your number two choice though Even no though we... oh it isn't wow what would be your number two choice?
2: I thought well there's a couple actually probably. I thought the uh the match at WrestleMania a few years ago
1: where uh
2: where Michaels was the guest referee oh. with a Triple H Undertaker, I thought that was a
1: better match. I don't know about that. That match kind of annoyed me a little bit.
2: It was it was a good match, though. I mean, like, I think overall that's uh that's just a better wrestling match than Foley and Undertaker. I actually i actually wrote a uh, a top 10 hell in a cell matches article one time and truth be told i just pulled it up on my computer if you'd like to hear that oh
1: okay go for <laughs> it i, I haven't had, gone 10 deep i could do five i know
2: i had triple h jericho from judgment day o2 as number 10 never i never liked that one that much i had triple h michael's bad blood '04 4 as number
1: 9 That match was too long
2: I had well. You got to remember, there hasn't been that many Hell in this Cell
1: matches. So. I know that's true. I mean, you're right. I mean, you got to stretch to ten. Yeah.
2: Lesnar Undertaker from No Mercy 2002 was my number eight.
1: That was a bloodbath. That was good. Uh,
2: number seven, Triple H Batista from Vengeance 05. I would have that
1: higher. I love that match. It's a good match. Batista is easily his best match ever.
2: Oh yeah, no doubt. I had Undertaker Edge from SummerSlam 08 as number six. Sounds about right. Uh, number five was the Armageddon 2000 match. It had like six guys in it. That was a good one, yeah. Angle, Taker, Triple H, Austin, Rikishi, and The Rock. Uh, let's see. Number four, Triple H and Cactus Jack from No Way Out 2000. Yes,
1: yes that, would, that would be a contender maybe for number two for me with the Foley Undertaker.
2: Now here's the one you asked about. I have, I have Foley Undertaker from 98 as number three. Uh, and then number two, like I said, Triple H Undertaker from okay. WrestleMania 28. Tw- that's 2012. the end of the era. Yep. The end of the era match. And then, of course, like we've been saying, number one, Michael's Undertaker from Bad
1: Blood, the first Hell in a Cell match. I did like how in that end of an era match, the Hell in a Cell got Metallica for entrance music.
2: That, yeah. The that actual awesome. Cell
1: did, yes. Yeah, and then now whenever I hear that song, what it was—the memory remains. I always think of that match. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like whenever I hear ACDC's "Highway to Hell," I always think about Austin Undertaker.
2: Yeah, uh, I also looked up the history of the Hell in a Cell match because we were talking about how the pay-per-view theme kind of like killed the spontaneity of the match. And sure. uh, if you look at the history of the match, so since let's see, it looks like the last time a Hell in a Cell match happened that wasn't at the themed pay-per-view which started in 2009 or a wrestlemania was summerslam 08 so since 2008 every hell in a cell match other than a dark match that actually happened at a no. raw super show in 2011 other than the dark match every single one of them has been at the themed pay-per-view or wrestlemania
1: oh okay i was oh, or wrestlemania i was gonna say because yeah shane and undertaker just did one
2: yeah wrestlemania 28 the one we just mentioned okay uh taker triple h and then uh yeah, Shane and Undertaker. Those are, those are the two that have happened at WrestleMania since uh, 2008. Otherwise, every single match has been at the themed pay-per-view. So you and know what you're you know, getting. There's, there's no surprise anymore.
1: Yes. Uh, and to bring it back to my buddy's text, which got us on this subject. By the way, now he's typed Apparently this was on Twitter, and now he's texting me how he got 34 likes for sending Meltzer that. What an egomaniac this guy is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, he, he mentioned, oh, will Sh- Sasha and Charlotte Blade. And, you know, that's a ridiculous question to ask because obviously the answer is none. But the no blood really kind of hurts Hell in a Cell. I hate to say it. Yeah. You know, they did it. They did it in the Lesnar Undertaker one last year, didn't they? Uh, I think, I think they did. I think, I think, I think so. They, yeah. And I think they tried playing it off that it was uh, Hardway or something like that or Vince didn't care because it was Lesnar. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't. I'm not one of these people who like just pounds the table all the time. Oh, there's no blood It makes WWE terrible. Uh, there is a place for blood. Uh, Hell in a Cell is one of those places. Um, you know, I mean, when you go look back, they, there was no blading on TV in the first glory peri- in the first boom period in the '80s, and they did just fine. I mean, they bled all the time on the house shows, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think that not having blood automatically hurts your business. I just think that it hurts certain matches that kind of call for it, violent matches and hell in a cell. Um, you know, you always kind of, if set that violent standard, particularly when Foley went off the cage, yeah. Uh, you know, and you just kind of don't get that. You just get a tame that that's another thing that needs to be talked about. You just get these tamer hell in a cells and people, you know, they see the highlight packages and they, and they, you know, they WWE shows them. It's not like fans like you and I are just remembering this stuff. They show it before hell in a cell. You see Foley flying off the cage, uh, under, or, uh, Michael's flying off the cage with the famous Jerry Lawler incoming line. Um, You know, the two by four that Foley set on fire. Uh, Edge and Undertaker, some of the spots they did. And now it's just it's just a tame version. And that hurts, too.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of Foley, I'm going to take this this point right now to make a little cheap plug. So if you guys like this classic wrestling discussion, Kyle and I talked about this last week on the show. We're looking at doing more shows uh, for Patreon-only Patreon, uh, Patreon only subscribers to the show. So if you head over to patreon.com slash Nation, you can give as little as $1 per month. I actually originally had this set up as per episode. I changed it to per month. So if you like the show, if you donate $1 per month, you would get access to exclusive shows you would have input on what we talk about. We might do some live uh, show reviews with the pay per views, the current pay per views. Do some old uh, show reviews of uh, nostalgic events. It's up to you guys. But uh, head on over to Patreon slash Top Rope Nation and check it out. And we we can do some full shows talking about old old school wrestling like this. I'd love to do it. It'd be a good time. So yeah. check it out. A dollar a month. All right, that's like a fourth of a Starbucks coffee. So.
1: Apparently Luke Harper um just wanted to correct if we get to the news. Apparently Luke Harper returned tonight at the house shows. It was a raw house show, though, that he returned to, which is odd because I had been hearing that it was SmackDown he was going to be to. So this is interesting. It was but it was in Santiago, and I believe both brands are working that. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. I'm just seeing this across come across that Luke Harper returned tonight at a house show and teamed with Kevin Owens against Rollins and Zane.
2: Right. And speaking of Luke Harper, one of the big stories also in the last couple of days has been Eric Rowan's injury, which not to toot our own horn too much here, but Kyle, you did break the news uh, last Friday evening. Uh, Mm -hmm. that eric rowan was injured he was going to be shank
1: of the evening i believe that was broken that story (laughs) mean gene they used to like to say
2: (laughs) and uh you had said he'd be out till probably march or so i think in your original (laughs) report and a few days later the rest of the internet caught up and uh rowan underwent surgery for a torn rotator cuff so yeah we had heard that he may be returning and heading to the smackdown brand but uh luke harper that is uh, probably to replace Rowan, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll
1: see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you would think that, you know, it, considering the depth and the fact that Raw has the cruiserweights now, I mean, Luke Harper could be a star on SmackDown. He's just a guy who gets lost in the shuffle on Raw. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, and I'm not, I'm not you know, people, oh, go, oh, you're just defending your story now. But, you know, I mean, I, I defy anyone to tell me that Luke Harper isn't better off on SmackDown. I defy you.
2: Yeah, more opportunity for yeah. sure. And he's a Especially, really talented guy. Really, yeah, really yeah. talented big
1: guy. Oh, I mean, swapping out Eric Rowan for Luke Harper. And no offense to Eric Rowan. Get well soon, please, sir. But, you know, it's a value add.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you have Harper in place of Rowan on the SmackDown brand, make no mistake about it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, nothing new to, report. you know, I mean, I'm not. It occurred at a live event, the Rowan injury. Not sure which one. Um, he did work the whole weekend loop, the final weekend in September. Um, so what I assume it happened there. He was wrestling Apollo Crews at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I don't have tape of any of those matches, so I can't find it. No one's really talking about when it happened or who knows, maybe you just aggravated something. It's something that, uh, you know, had happened elsewhere and who knows.
2: All right. Well, the other story we wanted to mention, well, it's not really a story. It's more of an opinion kind of thing. Uh, We're already running late on time, and we're going to bring in Abby Arthur here to talk about uh, New Japan's big event on, uh, I guess it's Sunday evening, U.S. time late. Uh, But before we get to Abby, we wanted to mention the new cruiserweight division on RAW and uh, some of the problems that we've had with it. So Kyle and I were texting during RAW on Monday night, and one of the big problems we've had actually there's two topics we want to talk about from raw i'm sorry we uh are actually raw and smackdown so first let's talk about the cruiserweight classic and the uh ensuing cruiserweight division so on raw you have this tj perkins brian kendrick feud and i think kyle we both kind of agree that uh maybe although he's a good worker and uh And we're going to talk about the person that he has trained in the ring recently here in just a minute. But is Brian Kendrick really the guy you want to be one of the guys you want to be building this uh, new division around?
1: He's got an interesting storyline, the whole, you know, I'm back here for redemption, but. Him is the first contender with that storyline. I don't think works. I think. They could have had him just come back and, you know, with that same storyline they had in the Cruiserweight Classic, maybe even lose a couple times and grow frustrated and then turn heel. But they sort of just microwaved the whole storyline because they felt they needed a number one contender. The issue I have with the Cruiserweight division so far is that they just took these guys, well, I have many, but this is the main one. They just took the guys from the Cruiserweight Classic and that's the division to me. I think they needed to have Perkins, the guy who wanted taking on an established guy on raw, like a Neville, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to put that title over, you know, don't just kind of bring it up from, you know, a show that not your entire audience has not seen where, you know, people are like, what is this a minor league title or something like that? You have a guy like you have T, you have T.J. Perkins come out. Hey, here's the guy who won this Cruiserweight Classic. Great event. Everyone go watch on that network. Unbelievable matches. Unbelievable talent. You'll be seeing a lot of these guys come up on Raw. But then you have a guy like Neville come out and say, Hey, everything I've done in this company doesn't matter until now. This is the title I want. And then you have Perkins beat him, and then it makes Perkins like a bigger sort of like, Whoa, this guy just came out of nowhere and he beat a guy that you know we've seen good wrestler on Raw before. That's what you do. I just don't like this whole. You know, they're just bringing all these guys up together and, you know, the audience is like, wait, who are all these guys? What's going on? Yeah. Um, I, I just I've disagreed with the presentation entirely.
2: Yeah. I mean, Neville, out of everyone on the main roster, is the guy that can most benefit from this division. Such a talented guy that's been lost in the shuffle, partly through his booking, obviously. But this is this would be like the, the chance for Neville to really get over as a superstar. You would think if they built the division up well. Um, and there's all these other guys too, like from the cruiserweight classic, I think for me, like the one guy that really stands out is Cedric Alexander. Um, mm-hmm. but they're probably holding that off until he, uh, cause they're not gonna, they're not going to switch the title right away. Uh, they're probably, hold, they're probably holding that off for a while. And yeah, hopefully Kendrick doesn't win the title right away.
1: I could see him doing it, though.
2: I hope not. That would be a—we're in I, agreement that would be a massive mistake, right? Yes.
1: Well, I, I think they've already made a massive mistake beating Perkins in his second match on Raw. Yeah. Not a just, title match. Was, yeah. yeah, that was just—I just don't know why you do that. I mean, here's a, here's a champion with, you know, that isn't established, and you're beating him already on TV. Mm-hmm. Don't agree with that. And another thing they did, too—I like Tony Nese, actually, but— they really promoted Rich Swan before that match on Raw. This was the other Cruiserweight match last week on Raw, and then they beat Rich Swan. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that made a lot of sense. I just you know,
2: saw him at a uh, NXT live event like two weeks ago, and he was one of the most over guys on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, it's like so. If you're again somebody who's not familiar with these guys, if you're in the Raw audience, if you watch Raw but you didn't watch the Cruiserweight Classic. And you see this video package before the match hyping Rich Swan. You're like, oh, okay, I can kind of get. Okay, this guy's kind of cool. And then he loses. You're like, oh, maybe he's not that cool. Yeah. Okay. I just I, I didn't agree with that at all. And you mentioned Cedric Alexander. It seems like they're going to do a uh, storyline with him in NXT. Um, if you know, by the time people listen to this, they, they may have watched NXT or not. They did the big heel turn with uh, Almas on Alexander. Um, you know, they were a team of the Dusty Classic, and Almas turned on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, that's something for Cedric to do. And I think that feud will work pretty well. I think it, you know, almost was maybe miscast as a baby face and, um, will be more comfortable in the heel role. Yeah.
2: All right. The other topic we wanted to get to has to do with a suspended SmackDown star and, uh, when she will be making her return to the roster. And this is another, Top Rope Press exclusive we had on the website on Friday night had to do with when Eva Marie will be making her return following her uh, movie shoot with Nicolas Cage. And uh, I think Kyle, you had wanted to kind of expand on what you know about Eva's return.
1: Yeah. I mean the movie thing was well known before I said it, but November's looking like her return. I think November 2nd, maybe I don't quote me on that, but I, you know, that date seems likely. I know that the shooting is wrapped up by then. Also, something that's very interesting when you kind of read between the lines on this situation, you know, WWE obviously loves to get its talent in these situations, you know, in these movie roles and, um, you know, just kind of expand their own brand. You know, it's obviously good for WWE when their own um, stars get land these roles. This doesn't seem like a role that was landed with the assistance of WWE. Because Eva was in line for that big push behind All Red Everything. Now she got suspended, obviously, but it kind of seems like this might have been something she brokered on her own. Hmm. That's interesting. It, yeah, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because you know she was in line for a very big push. It was obvious from the minute you saw you know her kind of character rebranding take place with the new entrance. Uh, you know, and now I'm not really sure what they do with her. I mean, I'm sure she'll still be pushed. When she comes back, but, um, I don't know if she, this was kind of her way at like getting back at them for the suspension. Don't again, don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm just speculating, but it really seems when you read between the lines that this was not something WWE pushed, it was something that a kind of a role that was offered her and she took and, um, you know, may have kind of, um, you know, interrupted her push Yeah, in a way.
2: Well, I'm curious to see where she will fall in the hierarchy of yeah. the women's division when she comes back. Because like we've talked about, Alexa is carrying the SmackDown brand. It's kind of the top heel right now, in my opinion. And, yeah, but uh, she's
1: not going to win at the pay-per-view, no, I don't think.
2: No, but I don't think she would either at this point.
1: But uh, No, you know, I, I think SmackDown's definitely looking at a lot of those um, names that got the tryout. And, you know, I had written Shayna Baszler's the real name you want to keep an eye on i know that there's some in the company very very high on her mm-hmm.
2: well my point is when eva returns is she going to be the number two female heel behind alexa now that she's kind of emerged mm. during the suspension we'll
0: see
1: yeah i could see her kind of resuming her you know her superseding bliss i think yeah
2: all right well Speaking of SmackDown, we're going to be getting to our uh, No Mercy picks here in just a minute, but we want to bring on our uh, resident New Japan pro wrestling expert, Abby Arthur, to kind of talk about, um, real briefly here, a big show that New Japan has uh, coming up late Sunday night. It's their King of Pro Wrestling pay-per-view um, you can stream it on New Japan World. It's usually they usually offer English commentary on the show, also. So if you're kind of on the fence about watching New Japan because of the language barrier, this is one of the shows that you can actually watch with. Uh, usually, the Ring of Honor crew does the English announcing for that. So let's get out to Abby right now on the hotline. All right, we are joined here by Abby Arthur to talk a little bit of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, King of Pro Wrestling, which comes to us late Sunday night, American time. Um, it's actually, I guess, Monday, Japanese time. And Abby, I guess what we want to know is uh, what are the big matches to watch for on this show? Uh, what's kind of the build been like? Has Is there a lot of anticipation for the show? Uh, w- what's your opinion? Like, what's your excitement level heading into uh, Kings of Pro Wrestling?
3: I'm extremely excited about King of Pro Wrestling. Um, um, the main event is Kazuchika Okada versus Naomichi Marafuji. So you have Marafuji, who beat Okada on the opening night of the G1 this year and basically challenged him the final night of the G1 for uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship shot. So, yes, this one I am very much looking forward to. Do I expect Mera Fuji to win? No. Do I expect him to make Okada bleed? Yes. <laughs> if you've never seen Meru the Butcher chop somebody, just watch his matches and look at his opponent's chest at the end. It's like ground beef, it's beautiful.
2: <laughs> it's like Flair Steamboat on
3: steroids. <laughs> Yeah, only he makes them bleed. I mean, literally like two chops, and they are just streaming blood. It's it's magnificent. Uh,
2: second from the top, so this might have implications for Okada going into Wrestle Kingdom in January. You've got uh, Kenny Omega putting his championship match for Wrestle Kingdom on the line. He, he had the G1 briefcase, right, which is kind of like New Japan's money in the bank deal. And uh, uh-huh. he's putting it on the line against Goto. Uh any chance Omega would lose this match? I, I hope not personally.
3: No, he beat Goto in the finals of the G one. And if you look at Goto's entrance video, it's full of him getting beat up by everybody. <laughs> that and standing under a waterfall. So I mean it's not like he's he's gonna lose. Omega is one of the top guys in New Japan. Goto is still a square peg and a round hole. He's in chaos. He's, you know, Okada's stablemate. He's not a big enough draw to headline the Dome in January. It's just, it's not going to happen.
2: Well, I think it's fair to say, would you agree Omega's been New Japan's MVP this year? Because I would say Kenny Omega. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I would say it's very, very tight between Omega and Naito. Very, very close.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
3: Naito in my mind is they really dropped the ball with him. Hopefully they learn their lesson and are going to build him back up now that he's the Intercontinental Champion. But um yeah, Naito is their hottest property. Omega as far as in the ring, I would put him neck and neck with Naito as MVP for this year.
2: And Naito's in a like a 8-man tag on this match at King of Pro Wrestling.
3: Yes. He has an eight-man tag against, with Bushi, Evil, and Sonata against Hiroshi, Stupid Ponytail, Tanahashi, <laughs> Michael Elgin, Kushida, and Jay Lethal. Okay. Well, who got kicked out of, he was an honorary member of Los Singo Bernables and then got kicked out of the group at Death Before Dishonor. The television tapings after Death Before Dishonor. Mm-hmm. And he and Naito faced at uh, what? All-Star Extravaganza last weekend in a really good match for Ring of Honor. So. You can, you He's can, back on the tour this time, and him and Naito are still going at it.
2: Well, cheap plug, check out Abby's review of All-Star Extravaganza on uh, com. She did a wonderful job, as always. So You can check out all those results. Um, I did want to say with uh, Kenny Omega, uh, I personally... I hope he doesn't lose. I don't think he's going to lose, but I do have a lot of interest in Omega challenging Okada at the Tokyo Dome in January. I think that could be definitely awesome. Awesome. match.
3: If they build it up properly, it'll be extremely good.
2: Yeah. Tell us about the never open weight championship match for uh, king of pro wrestling.
3: Oh, a lot of us have been waiting for the day that Shibata and Kyle O'Reilly would get in the ring together because these two guys will try to kill each other and we cannot wait. (laughs) The one thing that is surprising, though, is that Shibata was taken off the destruction tour because of a thoracic spine injury. And Shibata was just beat to hell after the G1 with shoulder problems and knee problems. And then the spine thing came out of nowhere. So they took him off and have basically let him rest for about three weeks. I'm not sure if he's medically cleared or if he has just said, screw it, I'm going to do it.
0: Hmm.
3: Because that's kind of Shibata. He really doesn't care.
2: Well, I know I I heard a lot about him during the G1, like, uh, outside of, uh, uh, well, Naito and Omega outside of those two, I guess the guy that I was hearing the most about throughout the G1 was Shibata putting on great match after great match.
3: Oh yeah. He's, he's, he gets in the ring and tries to kill people, which we love. It's, it's just great. You know, he was supposed to be part of the whole Noah versus new Japan deal, but he's not going to be on the Noah show on Saturday morning. Um, he was supposed to be part of that with the uncles, and that's not going to happen. Hmm. But he is going to be on King of Pro Wrestling defending against Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, these are two fighters that are going to be in the ring, heavy MMA style, a lot of submissions, a lot of heavy strikes and kicks. It's going to be brutal. And, we've, and beautiful. We've
2: got a lot of Ring of Honor guys on this show. Overall, don't we? Sunday night. Um the Kyle O'Reilly, Jay
3: Lethal. Well, the Briscoes are the IWGP tag team champions.
2: Yeah.
3: Heavyweight tag team champions. They'll be defending against Tomatonga and the guy who everybody forgets is there even when he's in a match. His little <laughs> brother Tangaroa. Kamacha, <laughs> I don't I don't know what the, I just I don't get it. He's got all of the presence of a dust moat, you know. Which is really kind of none.
2: <laughs> you know, we talked about uh, you know recently on this show when we had John Abby a couple weeks ago, I think it was, and uh, Kyle here was talking about subscribing to New Japan. And one of the guys in New Japan that's made a, a name for himself all over the world, not just in New Japan Pro Wrestling, has been Ricochet. Uh, Kyle, have you have you seen much of Ricochet's work?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: This guy is awesome. Um, oh yeah. I had a chance to see him wrestle in Iowa back in July, and it was one of the best. It was just like this random house show with a few hundred people. One of the best matches I've ever seen live. Uh, he is like outside, outside of WWE, of someone that's waiting to just break through to the mainstream. I think Ricochet is like one of the biggest stars in the making out there. And uh, him and David Finley are going to be challenging the young bucks at King of Pro Wrestling for the junior heavyweight tag titles. I think this this definitely has the ability to steal the show. Abby, are you looking forward to this one?
3: I am looking forward to this. There's there's a weird backstory to this whole David Finley ricochet deal. Um they are two thirds of the never open weight of the never six man tag team champions. Those belts had to be vacated at the last show, Destruction and Kobe, because of Matt Seidel, who, depending on who you talk to and who you believe, is either off the grid playing creepy yoga boy in Hawaii somewhere on the beach.
2: (laughs) That's what I do in my free time.
3: (laughs) Or he's a lot of us are guessing he he was denied entry in Japan into Japan A lot of us are thinking he's in custody in Hawaii for something. That's the rumor right now. You know, no, nobody is talking about it. He's not on social media like he used to be. New Japan does not have the third never open weight belt, the never six man belt. So Kojima does not have his title. It's just, it's Seidel's being taken off shows left, right, and center because nobody knows where he's at. Anyway, that's how David Finley, Became a champion in his first, you know, championship match in New Japan. And now he and he's taken Seidel's place with Ricochet in the whole junior tag title division. And it's just, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, I didn't like Creepy Yoga Boy to begin with because, like I said, he's creepy. <laughs> it's just that smile he always has on his face. There's just something not right about him. Do I see Finley and Ricochet winning? No. Do I see this being an extremely good match? Yes. Um, but I really don't see them holding the never six man tag and the, and the junior heavyweight tag titles. Young bucks are the top tag team in the world right now with three sets of titles. Why take any away from them?
2: Yeah. Um, speaking of tag team matches, I guess the opening match of the show, um, you got Will Osprey, who kind of well, he didn't become famous from the match, but everyone was talking about the Ricochet match that uh, Ricochet and Osprey had over the summer. Um, but there's a six man tag uh, that's supposed to open the show. Tell us a little bit about that one. That includes the Ring of Honor World Champion.
3: Yes, that will be Will Osprey, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii up against the Sleys, Bad Luck Fale, and Adam Cole, who is the Ring of Honor champion. So Bullet Club against Chaos. Should be a fun match. Um, Will and Adam faced off at the Destruction show. That was not a good match at all. Um, I think it was just, I mean, Adam was good, Will was good, they just were not good together. It was kind of just off. Hopefully, this will be a lot better than that one was. Yoshihashi was great in the main event at Destruction. Um, Hopefully he will get more singles opportunities, maybe a shot at the Never Open Championship, who knows? And Ishii is just, you know, my heart belongs to Ishii.
2: <laughs> Follow your Twitter feed, we all know that. At Abby. Ed. Yes,
3: Ishii. My you know, my favorite big demonic teddy bear who can rip your throat out with his teeth.
2: <laughs> Sounds like LeBron James. All right, Kyle.
1: Oh, LeBron James would never do that. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: Uh, Cl- Cleveland joke, I just had to throw yeah. that out there Alright, the only the only other uh, Matches that we haven't covered I think two tagged matches So before we get to the No Mercy predictions Just tell us a little bit about those last two matches Abby
3: Yeah, a random, kind of a random eight man tag With um, Bobby Fish um, Toguchi, Hanma and Makabe Against the Chaos team Of Jado Yano Who is the other half of my heart and Roppongi Vice, who is kind of on the rocks right now, pardon the pun. Beretta is not happy with Rocky Romero, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then the other big match is the uncles against the NOAA team. Um, you have Nakanishi, Nagata, Kojima, and Tenzan against Kitamiya, Nakajima, Taniguchi, and Shiozaki. So it's NOAA against New Japan. And I really have no clue how that's going to play out or if this whole New Japan NOAA deal is going to be going on after this weekend because there's two co-branded shows, the NOAA show on Friday and the New Japan show on Monday. I don't know if they're going to carry it over, but like I said, I don't see Marifuji winning, even though I'd really love for him to because Okada has lost pretty much 98% of his shine for me. But they might be dropping this whole Noah deal after this. I don't know. It just depends on who wins Friday and who wins on Monday.
2: All right. Well, that's that's the card for New Japan, King of Pro Wrestling. You can check out topropecrest.com. Abby, as always, living the vampire lifestyle. She will be up at all hours of the night covering the guess show. Yes, and now
1: I'm ruining, and guess who's ruining the podcast for a second straight week here? There's Kyle's dog in the
2: background chiming in here on new japan let me see what's going on here hopefully we don't have any vomit this time <laughs> so with that being said that's the king of pro wrestling cards so to finish up here we've had the jam-packed show i know this is a little bit longer than we usually go so thanks for sticking with us here but we want to get our uh our uh, picks out there for no mercy and uh like abby was talking with us off air a little bit we almost kind of forgot this pay-per-view was coming up um there's actually a lot of stuff going on Sunday. You got King of pro wrestling. You've got the second presidential debate going head to head with no mercy. So I'm I'm not sure how many people are going to be watching this card. It's a SmackDown show. Um, but let's just go through briefly match by match and, uh, who we think is going to win and why, uh, let's start off with the, the match that was just announced today, uh, Wednesday, as we record this. So we got Jack Swagger taking on Baron Corbin and, uh, I know Abby, she's very fond of Baron Corbin, so I'm going to start off with you. Who do you think's going over here?
3: I don't care. <laughs> I don't have any reason to care. I mean, mean, am I supposed to like Baron Corbin because he's a big guy with a receding hairline and a sad abdomen? <laughs> I mean, am I supposed to like Jack Swagger because he's a real American? I don't I don't care.
2: I, this is one of the few things that Kyle and I strongly disagree on. We were talking on the show earlier that we seem to agree a lot on our show. It's not like, pardon the interruption, on ESPN where they go at each other's throats. We agree a lot. Um, I am no Baron. Well, Corbin that's fan. no fun. <laughs> well, this is well, this is where we can get into it because I am no Baron Corbin fan. I don't see any money in this guy whatsoever. If I had to pick a, win- a great
1: promo at SummerSlam and no one got to see it, and ever since then, I'm wondering what was in his Wheaties that day because he hasn't cut a good promo since. Did you see it
3: on the pre-show?
1: Yes. When he told Jerry Lawler to hold his gum, it was great. And <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this guy has got a future. And then every other promo he's cut since then has been so wooden and laconic. I'm almost wondering if they didn't script the one on the pre-show for him. And hey, that's he was what i
3: talking, talking smack about a week or two ago, maybe three weeks ago. Talking smack is like the best part of WWE right now for me. Um, and he did Best really good the on problem. there too, but it's like you don't see it transfer over onto SmackDown. there's just there's nothing there i don't I don't have any reason to get invested in either of these guys.
2: Well, the oh, pr- the problem is the company's so deep he is so far down the list of guys that I would push I, I just I've never seen any money at all in Baron Corbin I'm well, sorry right I don't off. see I it. haven't
3: either. he's boring. he's
1: horribly boring okay. All right, I, I, I'm the only Corbin defender here, obviously. In my only case is he's the one guy who hasn't been tarnished by the 50-50 booking yet. That's my only plan. That, that's kind of the one thing he's got going for him, and that's why he absolutely should win this match on oh, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Jack, I would say Jack Swagger, I hate win. his gimmick. I have ne- that's a guy I've never liked, Jack Swagger, at all. I've, I, I've never liked him since stay one in the company. I think he's atrocious. You know, I'm not going to make fun of the guy. That's mean, but you know, he's horrible on the mic. Um, for obvious reasons, and he just, there, there's no justification to have him go over here. Corbin's newer, and I they can get something out of him, I think. He just, you know, as a newer guy, SmackDown doesn't have a lot of options of guys they can bring up from the mid cards. so Corbin should win going away.
2: Well, this match would have the distinction of being two of my least favorite pro wrestlers of the last decade easily. Cause my opinions on Corbin is very similar to Jack Swagger. I agree with you on Jack Swagger. Um, but yeah, I would, I would also have Corbin win. No doubt about it. Um, all right, moving on Nikki Bella and Carmela. Let's not spend too much time on this match. <laughs> Abby, who do you got?
3: Um, um, I see simply because, Nikki has shown that she has come back. She's not afraid to put the new talent over. So I think that they might go that direction or since it's, you know, total Bella's week, <laughs> all Bellas everywhere. They could have her win. Who knows? I don't, I don't really care. I think it's not going to hurt either one of them to lose. It could, it could go either way right now.
1: Kyle. I think Carmela should win because if she loses, I don't know what, you do with her she needs to win more than nikki nikki will stay over regardless mm-hmm. of the result here carmela you know if she loses it it re, believe it or not although this has been going on for a while this actually has the feel of this feud must continue
2: yeah i i would put carmel over also but i can see the perspective of with total bell is debuting and yes. that's how wwe thinks um if i had to pick i'd probably say nikki bell is going over here Personally, I probably wouldn't do that, but that—that's—that's that's my pick. Um,
3: Did they say this was a no DQ match, or is this just a regular match? Uh, I'm not sure. I, don't I haven't
2: really, heard the DQ I don't remember that either.
3: There was rumors that it was going to be a no DQ match, which is mm. why I said that.
0: They
2: hmm. could always add it on the pre-show. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. The thing is,
1: there's so many of these shows now. Obviously, as we know that, you know, Raw's proving this with um helms there's just gonna be a lot of rematches on these brand only pay-per-views so that's another reason i think this thing continues regardless Mm -hmm. because you know in a division of six what do you have these two do yeah if they're not challenging for the title
2: and then we've got orton and wyatt um personally here i i'm having wyatt go over just because he never wins (laughs) And uh, he needs it more than Orton, but seems like a broken record. I've said that all the time about Bray Wyatt, and he always loses. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Abby, who do you think
3: Bray should win? Randy probably will win because Vince, for some reason, sees another world title run in Randy's future, and if that's the case, he's not going to have him lose.
1: I don't know if he'll get a world title run, but he's certainly going to. Be a challenger for AJ. I would agree with Abby on that, and so he probably wins. Uh,
2: I just got to throw this Which out is here. so
0: stupid.
2: This is unrelated, but I have ESPN on in the background, and uh, I see that the uh, San Francisco Giants will have the honor of losing to the Cubs in the NLDS, and uh, they were, they had just had on the screen like a history of Giants pitchers. You, Kyle, I know you're a big baseball guy. Did you know the yeah. Giants had a pitcher in the 1950s named Dusty Rhodes?
1: Yes, I did.
2: I did not know that. I just saw that on the TV. Very strange. Spelled the same way, too.
1: Yeah, no polka dots.
2: <laughs> no polka dots. All right. Um, then we've got the SmackDown tag team title match. So Slater and Rhino defending against the Usos. Um, Abby, go ahead. You you
1: first. Who do you
3: think? The, so? the Usos will win.
1: You know I love the heel Usos, Ryan. Yeah. Uh But I don't, I feel that there's more mileage Slater and Rhino, at least they see it. Um, You know, now that they've done it, I mean, you and I argued that, you know, maybe the marriage of the Slater storyline and the tag titles um, was ill-conceived, but I I don't know if they're going to take the titles as quickly off Slater and Rhino after they just created them less than a month ago.
3: They're already on main event.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. I, th- I think the Usos are going over personally. They're going to be the go-between until American Alpha wins them.
1: Are you? Is anyone else worried that American Alpha is not getting over to the degree that we had all hoped or expected? Or is that just me being cynical?
2: I think they're just—they're kind of no man's land right now until they get put in the title picture. I think they just haven't had a they're lot. They're
3: doing this. Them. They're doing this stupid booking with this injury thing that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, they don't need to get the sympathy vote from the fans. They're good enough to get over based on talent.
2: Yeah, uh, I think the injury you know, thing was more or less just to have an excuse for them to not win the titles right off
1: the bat. Yeah, I didn't get heat on the Usos, I guess. But I guess to make that work, then you've got to have the Usos win the titles and have Alpha Chase, which is you know what I've been stumping for, I know, all along.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I think Usos makes the most sense, but... Like you said, not sure they'll pull the trigger this early. Um,
1: I was also glad that I wasn't the only one in my report who mocked Moro for using the Urban Usos. He got, you know, people were really <laughs> crushing him on Twitter for that.
2: <laughs> we talked about that last week. Moro's kind of been going down the tubes lately. I don't know yeah, if they're trying to yeah. script him more, and that's the reason or what, but he's yeah. he certainly hasn't been as good lately.
1: Or he's sitting next to too close to David Otunga. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, all right, we're third from the top here. So we got the women's title match Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. Kyle and I have talked about this earlier. Uh, it, you would think that uh, Lynch has to win. I, I really love what Alexa's done as a heel uh, on SmackDown so far, but I, I don't see any way that Becky loses the title this early. Uh, what do you think, Abby?
3: No, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, Bliss Becky just a, keeps it. Yeah,
1: Bliss is just a placeholder contender, I think. And. You know the WWE formula. uh, Bliss went over on SmackDown, so you know who that means is going to win at the pay-per-view.
2: Yeah. That brings us to the IC title match. Miz and Ziggler, your two fellow Ohioans, Kyle.
1: Uh, Let's go to Kyle first this time. What's,
2: What's happening here?
1: All right. So they've built up the angles very well. And there's a lot of sympathy for Ziggler. But you think about it, it's like, okay, if he wins... What do you do then? Okay, then Dolph Ziggler's still wrestling. And I just don't think that that's compelling. I I don't think for a second that Dolph Ziggler, if he loses here, is done forever in WWE. I could see them bringing him back with a new gimmick. Or just as a heel. I don't know how they'd bring him back, but I could see him bringing him back. Miz should go over here.
2: Okay.
1: Abby?
3: Well, I mean, we all know that Ziggy signed a multi-year contract last year. This would make more sense if they hadn't have made such a big deal about that a year ago. Um, He posted on Twitter today, you know, after October the 10th, all bookings will go through a different person. Yeah, I saw that. You know, they're talking about maybe having him transition into a producer-coach role. I don't know. I don't know. I have no love for Dolph Ziggler, none. They have stomped him down into the ground so much that nobody really cares anymore. Miz, as much as I hate that frog face man, is WWE's only real heel <laughs> because no, people just man, hate just him. It. You know, he he's just hated, and you don't have your top heel lose. Not when he's as good as he is at what he's doing right now. Yeah.
2: I'm agree. I'm agreeing with both of you. I think The Miz should win, and I think The Miz will win.
1: It'll get him good heat, too, if he's the guy who puts Ziggler out of commission. Oh, I yeah. think there's just more mileage out of that than Ziggler winning and being the Intercontinental Champion. It's kind of like, oh, he saved his career, and oh, Dolph Ziggler's still wrestling. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm saying Miz should win. I'm not saying he will. I'm yeah. saying he should. Since this is kind of our stick with the site, who should, yeah. and who will. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm with you too. Like I'm not 100% sold that he will win, but he absolutely should for the reasons you, you know, I mean, he's just doing, he's doing the best work of his career right now. The Miz, and, mm-hmm. um, I, I would not stunt that by having him lose here. And, finally, and
3: plus again, there's that whole total divas tie in with Maurice. So.
2: It's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, I think Miz is going over. Um and then the main event, Triple Threat title match Styles Cena and Ambrose. Uh with Styles defending of course. Uh Cena looking to uh tie the record of Ric Flair. He's brought that up in in the storyline recently again and then Ambrose. It's not the record. Well, according to WWE. That's right? WWE math. <laughs> yeah. Which oh. is like
3: right up there with Scott Steiner math. So Oh god. You can't really trust it.
2: <laughs> um I personally think Styles hangs on to the title here. Uh, Kyle, who you got going over?
1: Yeah, I'll give you a bonus. Styles pins Ambrose. Okay. Abby.
3: I think Styles pins Cena.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Oh. I think regardless, the only reason Cena I
3: loses. That,
1: <laughs> I, I said Styles pins Ambrose because clearly they're pushing the Cena. Hit, you know, regardless of the map, they're, they're pushing that as a big angle, and I think that's going to continue. Um, you know, I, I could see, I don't know what Cena's schedule is, but for the SmackDown side, I could see Styles, Cena in a one on one match being their main event for Survivor Series.
3: Well, here's the deal Cena and Ambrose are both supposed to be out starting after No Mercy. And that's
1: right. Yeah, with the, yeah, well, that's why it, I was, another reason I kind of thought Ambrose might do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, yeah, I don't know. So, um, well, in that case, it's going to be Orton and Styles, it sounds like to me, at Survivor Series.
3: Yeah. I mean, personally, I think that they have AJ, Penn, Cena, because, I mean, if you saw SmackDown Tuesday Night and just the way that Cena got buried by both of them, which I cackled when I watched those, um, it was just beautiful to watch. I don't, I don't see them doing this whole... I don't see them protecting Cena in this match like he would normally get protected.
2: Well, I think it makes a lot more sense for Cena to take the pin since Ambrose is gonna be well, he's he's taking that sabbatical like you mentioned, but he's the guy that's uh he's gonna be there long term. I think uh Yeah think Cena can afford to lose here again to Styles. Well, I
1: think Cena's gonna tie the record eventually
2: yeah, i think eventually he, he will tie for sure. the record
1: eventually there, there, there's no way they're going to promote it and have him come up and ultimately not tie it no but ambrose like Ambro.
2: he's a guy that's been floundering a little bit in the main event scene lately like in this yeah, triple but... threat he he has seemed like the odd man out i think with styles well, and cena so i think if you have ambrose lose it just damages him more
1: well he's gonna probably go heel for c like when like i could see him and cena working together like a tlc or something like that to pay, or whatever the timeline is Uh, for their schedules. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, if they're both out until Rumble season, then it's really not going to matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, Ambrose has a movie to do, supposedly, and needs some time off. Cena's going back to film American Grit, or whatever that show is called. So you're looking at those two being out.
0: Well, the reports
3: are true. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, AJ's
3: going to hang on to the title.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and should hold on to it. No, it's a should and will situ- sweep for AJ, I think, here. I, I just don't see any reason at all why you would take the title off him. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. even
3: WWE logic doesn't, you know, dictate that he would lose no. this yeah. soon.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's the safest bet, honestly, maybe on the cart yeah. that AJ goes over here. I can't think of I, I can't think of any of any of the matches that we've talked about uh where, you know, there's a more sure thing. And by the way, Speaking of sure bets here and something that nobody cares about, how about Arkansas state scoring a touchdown in the last five minutes or last five seconds of the game to give me a cover plus eight outright <laughs> over Georgia Southern. Oh, there we go.
2: I'm getting that sports betting here. Yeah,
1: there we go. Arkansas state <laughs> for the wi- outright winner on Wednesday night, college football.
2: <laughs> Kyle's night has been made. Ladies yes. and gentlemen,
1: a little sweep and the under <laughs> in the baseball game too. There we go.
2: Well, next week on the show, you guys, you're either going to have a very happy host here and myself, Ryan Drosty, or you're going to have a very depressed Ryan Drosty, depending on what happens with this Cubs-Giants series. So we'll let that just kind of sit out there, and we'll see where I'm at next Wednesday. Uh, But we are fresh out of time. This has been kind of an extended episode. We had a lot to talk about tonight. I want to thank Abby for joining us. Kyle, as always, Uh, if you enjoy the show, places you can find us, iTunes, Podbean, TopRopePress.com, of course, Stitcher. Go ahead and follow us. uh, Drop us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. Check out that Patreon page, Patreon.com slash TopRopeNation. And we will be back next week to talk all about No Mercy and what happened there. And we will catch you guys then. Thanks for listening.